Go to the people you know. Say, um, I've started a podcast. It's gaining momentum. Here's my plans. I would love to have you on as an early sponsor. And the way that you get them in is you make the price stupid cheap. 25 bucks, 50 bucks. Because at that point, they're paying 50 bucks for a forever ad read on your show and a forever link on your website. So you say you'll always be on the show notes page. You will always have this backlink. Surely, at some point, that will be worth 50 bucks to you. Um, and then try to get them for six or seven episodes, right? Because the repetition is really important too. So someone could throw 300 bucks at you. That'll cover, you know, uh, most audio hosts for a year. So there you go. You're, you're, you're no longer operating at a loss if you land a sponsor for six episodes at 50 bucks each. And it's not easy, but if you have a network of people who trust what you're doing, it's a little bit easier. Welcome to the Talking Silkworm Podcast, the go-to show for coaches and entrepreneurs seeking to build and grow their audiences by using the power of their voice. We provide valuable insights, advice, and resources to help you create a strong online presence and connect with your ideal audience. Whether you have a podcast, video channel, course, or any other type of content that involves your voice, with new episodes every week, you'll always have access to the latest strategies for taking your voice-based content to the next level. Are you ready to take action and start building your audience? Tune in and let us help you unleash the power of your voice. How do I make money off my podcast? This is one of the most important questions every podcaster asks themselves. And, uh, well, here we have some answers. Actually, there are multiple ways you can monetize your show. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. But what is definitely true is that building the audience size you need and building the network you need takes time and takes work. It is not something you are going to be doing overnight. So, different strategies for monetizing your show, how to approach them and how to execute them. That is what Joe Casabona is going to explain to us today. Joe is a podcast producer and he is an expert on helping people monetize their podcast shows. We talk about different approaches such as sponsorships, selling products, selling services, affiliate links, and much more. So if you want to know all the details about how to potentially monetize your podcast, no matter what your audience size is, please listen to our interview with Joe Casabona. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, Joe, I have to say, I said this off record, but I have to insist, I love your setup. I love uh, all the lightning setup you have, and you have a great microphone over there. Uh, you are a tech person. You have a background in software engineering, and, and you work also with podcast production. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, in particularly in the area of podcasts? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, like you said, I have my master's in software engineering. I got into web development, uh, specifically uh, when I was a teenager, probably like 13, 14. And um, the first website I made was actually a paid gig for my church. They offered me money and I was like, yeah, I'll learn how to do this. So I was always into computers. Um, and then the other thing I was always into was uh, drama club and performing. So from about eight or nine, uh, my second grade teacher, Miss McCullough, 
encouraged me to join the drama club. And so from eight or nine all the way through high school, so like second to 12th grade, I, I was in school plays. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't really do that in, in college because like I wasn't a theater major and they took it. You know, they were like very serious and I had other commitments as well. Um, but I always missed the performative aspect and podcasting was perfect for that. So uh, after I graduated college, um, I, I was teaching another avenue that allowed me to be a little bit performative. Um, and when we moved away, my wife and I, when we got married, we moved away from the University of Scranton where I taught. I wanted to keep doing something like that. So I created online courses, but I also started uh, what is my most popular podcast now, How I Built It. And so uh, it allows me to um, kind of be an, an extroverted, uh, performative person uh, when I work remotely in a mostly introverted field. Oh, you consider yourself an introvert as well. This is great. Oh, no, I'm, I'm an extrovert for sure. Oh, you're an extrovert. Uh, but I'm an extrovert. Uh, among what I would, I think most people in the web development, computer science field uh, yes. are introverts. Yes, 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 yes. I went to computer school for a while, and yeah, I'm an ex I'm an introvert myself. All right, um, it's it's great to know you have all this background, and and some something I mentioned usually in my shows is uh, transferability of skills. Right, I am sure your experience as a teacher, your experience as a performer. And uh, even as a software engineer has been transferred to your your job or your work as a podcast producer. And yeah, like everything you learn will help you out and will contribute to your to your becoming a better person and better um, entrepreneur in this case. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what brings us here today, Joe, is how do I make money out of my podcast? That is the question everybody's asking even before they record their very first episode. And I'm sure you get this question all the time. I get this question all the time. Uh, people want like easy peasy answers, like uh, magic formulas that will make them rich or will. Uh, no, it does, doesn't happen. It's not what we're going to speak about today. But it's different ways you can make money out of your podcast okay there is nothing that is going to happen overnight or it's going to give you like a i don't know i don't know like a solution just because it takes work it takes time it takes trial and error so uh first question will be joe what does it mean exactly to monetize my podcast like are we speaking about a certain amount of money are we speaking just like okay, something to cover the expense of the production what does it mean to monetize a show yeah, what a great question, right? Because uh, I, I don't, you know, I think that there's like two schools of thought here, right? I'm just going to start this and see what happens. Uh, or I need to make money from day one, right? I think those are they're kind of the two schools of thought. So monetizing your podcast, I would say, is any income you generate either directly or indirectly from your podcast. So this could be sponsorship money, which is what most people generally think about when they talk about monetizing, or it could be getting a client uh, from, uh, from somebody or uh, getting a client who discovered your podcast mm -hmm. and realized your expertise, right? So I, for example, uh, I went on somebody's podcast uh, and then they hired me to coach them. So 
not exactly the same, right? Because it's podcast guesting, but uh, the same could be said of of my friend Brittany Lynn, who I hired after hearing her um, on her podcast. I was like, I need to. Uh, I heard her on somebody else's podcast. I listened to hers, and I was like, I need to hire her. Yes, absolutely. I think this is one of the main elements of monetizing a show, and it's not it, it's not direct. But it's indirect, which is networking. You get to network, and through networking, you get uh, not necessarily clients, but that person can refer you, uh, or that person can connect you to somebody else. So not necessarily all the uh, ways are direct, but also indirect. So could we list uh, like a mo- the most common ways you can monetize a podcast show, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that I walk my uh, my coaching clients and my students through. I call it the SMASH framework. So S-M-A-S-H. Uh, S for sponsorship. M for membership. A for affiliates. Uh, S for selling. And H for helping. So uh, sponsorship, membership, affiliates, selling, helping. Those are the five big areas where I think somebody can make money through their podcast. Okay. So when do you give us a little detail about the first one? Sponsorship. This is, I think, the first one people think about when it comes to monetizing a show. Uh, I've had the experience uh, with this. Some very good experiences, some very bad experiences. But tell us a little bit about how sponsorship works with podcast shows. Yeah, this is the one that people think of because it's the most visible to them, right? They listen to a podcast and they're a popular podcast, especially they're going to hear an ad. So sponsorship is when somebody gives you money to promote their product on your show. And the big benefit of this for the for the sponsor is that uh, a podcast is a great way for a host to establish trust with their audience more so than like a, a random TV show or, or, or anything like that. Right. So if I, the podcast host, am reading a sponsor ad that I've made clear is a sponsor ad, right? Cause that's something that you need to, uh, depending on where you live, especially you need to make it clear that you've received money for, for this promotion. Um, even so, I'm reading it. I am vouching for this product. It helps the brand establish trust with my audience. And so my audience is going to be most likely to uh, or more likely to purchase that product. So I won't name any of my sponsors on your show. This is your platform, obviously. But I've had sponsors where uh, people have reached out to me. They've asked me specifically, hey, I know that this company sponsors your your podcast. Do you, do you like them? Uh, do you use them? And I say, uh, yes, every single sponsor that's ever been on my show, I currently use or I've at least tried the product. So um, I think that's really important. But yeah, sponsors is exchanging money for a promotional spot on your show, either in the beginning, in the middle, which is called the mid roll or at the end. So there are there are three common like there are more but the most common ones are uh like the the read yes yeah, like the host is like in the middle of the conversation and then they read the the sponsor and the other one is like a pre-recorded mid-roll that sometimes has a voiceover artist or something and music and that stuff and the other thing is a dynamic ad okay I have my opinions about these three but I would like to hear what you think about these ones reading in the middle of the episode or versus getting a pre-recorded or pre-produced mid-roll versus a dynamic ad. Yeah. So I think that the host should always read the ad. 
especially if you're, you know, if you're not like how stuff works, right. Or whatever, like if you're not like a huge podcast network, obviously the, they can, they have the audience to experiment and do whatever they want. But if you're, uh, you know, my podcast gets, um, uh, around 40 or 50,000 downloads per month, each episode gets around, um, six to 7,000 downloads in the first 30 days. So I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm in the top 2% of podcasts, but I'm not a huge podcast by any means. Um, I think that podcasts like me or smaller or slightly bigger should be doing the ad reads themselves because that is the big benefit to the brand, right? I, the podcast host have the, the trust, the, um, the social capital to convince my listeners to try this product. Pre-recorded ads, uh, those are more akin to commercials, right? Where the host is not reading them. Uh, they just play some voiceover artist doing it. Again, if you're a huge podcast and the brand is just looking for reach, yeah, that, like that's that's fine. That's less work for the podcast host, but that's not going to elicit as much trust as a sponsor red ad and then dynamic dynamic ad insert. So the, the big difference between the two we just talked about and dynamic ad insert is uh, when I am reading an ad, it's inserted into my, it's it, forever embedded into the episode, right? So if you go back and listen to episode two of my podcast, which I very gratefully have a sponsor for, you will hear the same ad that I read in 2016. So that is a host read permanent ad. And there's a, a lot of benefits to, to a sponsor doing that. Dynamic ad inserts are basically you put these markers in the audio file and then you connect to a service like Megaphone. Um, and somebody can pay for uh, a certain uh, number of spots or reads um, to automatically be put wherever you put the ad insert, right? So I'll be talking, I'll say now a break from our sponsor. I'll pause for a couple of seconds. I'll put a marker there and then Megaphone will insert whoever bought the ad spot for those 30 days. This is something that does not work, again, for, for podcasters like me or around the same size as me. This is going to work for giant podcasters who get millions of downloads because you are getting paid what's called a CPM. That's a cost per milli. Uh, yeah. Uh, which is a, a cost per thousand downloads, right? So even if I'm getting, uh, let's say $25 CPM again, in the first 30 days, we'll say, we'll just use a round number 6,000. Um, that is going to be 150 bucks, right? I get double that for my pre-roll for my pre-roll ads, right? So that's that's not going to work for smaller podcasters. And again, the big benefit for sponsors who uh, are sponsoring shows that don't have millions and millions of downloads is I, Joe, have the social capital with my audience, my small but mighty audience. So I think dynamic ad inserts work for podcasts of a certain size. And if you're not monetizing at all and you want to make like a little bit of money, Maybe it works for you there, but I think if you want to generate any any kind of real income for uh, for sponsorship and you have a smaller show, there are a couple of other strategies I'd employ. Yes, absolutely. I think you already answered the question I was going to ask, which is uh, the numbers, right? In my experience, 
if you have a medium size or a small podcast show, dynamic ads are not ideal because you make very little money, very little money from that is usually just a few dollars. So it's better if you establish a contact directly with a company or with a brand or with, with something that you're already familiar with and they will pay you a specific rate that you agreed on so you can read their ads or insert that or mid-roll. Uh, plus, there is a plus here, and it is that the, the ad is going to be contextual. It's going to re- be related to the topic or the information you're talking about in the, con- in the podcast, whereas dynamic ads can be just like random stuff. And that sometimes can take the listener out of the, I don't know, the dynamics of the, of the information of, of the conversation you're having. So yeah, totally agree with you on that. It's better if you have a red ad or if you, I think that's the best option. Or plan B, if you get it like a pre-produced mid-roll, that'd be, that'd be good as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So uh, if I want to monetize, okay, let's say, for example, I don't want to use dynamic ads because uh, I don't have the size or I don't have the audience yet. How could I get in contact with a brand or with a person or how could I partner with someone that could be interested in sponsoring my show? Yeah, that's a great question. And like I said earlier, I had sponsors from the very first episode or the second episode of my podcast, if we're not counting episode zero, right? I've had sponsors from the very beginning. And the thing that was the most important aspect of me getting sponsors then is my network. Because I didn't just burst on a brand new scene uh, and say, hey, I'm starting a podcast. You don't know me, but you should you should throw money at me. Uh, my first sponsor was I recorded an episode with Rebecca Gill. She talked about a learning management system called LearnDash. And so she actually gave me the idea because she's an amazing person. She was like, you should reach out to LearnDash and see if they want to sponsor this episode. This is talking WordPress about CMS? Yeah, this is a WordPress. Okay. Yeah, WordPress uh, is the CMS. And then the, the learning management system plugin for that is LearnDash. That's what All I right. use. I absolutely yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Yeah. And so, and I use it because of this sponsor spot, basically. I wasn't using it before that. Uh, and he gave me a free license, Justin gave me a free license and I tried it out. And then I got to talk about my experience, uh, using LearnDash. So I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, I just had this guest on. She talks all about, uh, LearnDash. Would you maybe want to sponsor the show for a hundred bucks? And he said, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd love to support it. And, and thanks. So, um, you know, that was an important aspect of it. And then beyond that, I, my show was very focused in the WordPress space in the beginning um, because that's where I knew people from as far as guests and bigger companies. So what I did was I reached out to my contacts that I knew from uh, going to WordPress-related conferences, WordCamps. Um, and I knew that in that space, the hosting companies have all the money or most of the money. And so I reached out to a, a couple of them, again, hosting companies that I use that I actually vouch for. And I said, hey, I started this podcast. Would you want to sponsor it? Uh, I did a kind of cost analysis where I said, like, um, it usually costs this much to sponsor a WordCamp. So I, I just want to get this amount of money per episode. And I had a couple of hosts say yes for the first two seasons. So like my podcast was monetized that way from the very beginning. So 
all of that to say that if you are starting out and you are looking for a sponsor, I, I, I like to tell people to employ the venture capital or the, the, if you're seeking funding for a business, you always go to friends, fools and family first. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I would never call any of my sponsors fools. So I uh, will just say friends and family go to the people, you know, say, um, I'm, I've started a podcast. It's gaining momentum. Here's my plans. I would love to have you on as an early sponsor. And the way that you get them in is you make the price stupid cheap, 25 bucks, 50 bucks, because at that point they're paying 50 bucks for a forever ad read on your show and a forever link on your website. So you say you'll always be on the show notes page. You will always have this backlink. Surely at some point that will be worth 50 bucks to you. Um, and then try to get them for six or seven episodes, right? Because the repetition is really important too. So someone could throw 300 bucks at you. That'll cover, you know, uh, most audio hosts for a year. So there you go. You're, you're, you're no longer operating at a loss if you land a sponsor for six episodes of 50 bucks each. And it's not easy, but if you have a network of people who trust what you're doing, it's a little bit easier. Yes, yes. I think trust uh, and, and networking is what will work best here because uh, they can connect you easily and they would already be familiar with you, with what you do, with who you are. So that will open a lot of doors. And maybe, Joe, I will add this also, and it is uh, you should have a pitch deck or a kind of elevator pitch where you are very clear about who your audience is because a lot of podcasters and these a lot of podcasters have no idea who their audience is and the 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 sponsor is going to need to know who they are where they're based what their preferences are how much they're open to spending on their particular product or service what channels they use for for buying uh, so all this information is important. It's going to be essential that you get to know your audience as well as you can and that you include that in the pitch deck that you're going to be presented to your potential sponsors. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say here, right? Um, first of all, definitely clearly define your audience. In my podcasting course and in my coaching programs, I walk people through five questions they need to answer before they start their podcast. But my friend Chris Lemma made me aware of... Um, uh, his his framework for defining what's called micro segments. Most people will say, my customer is whatever, bicyclists. My customer is WordPress developers. That's not a good enough segment though, right? Uh, my customer is small business owners who need to create more content consistently because they want to generate leads and make money, right? My customer is um, solo podcasters who need to make money with their podcast because uh, they like doing it, but but they're losing money on it. So that helps you define your audience. And then there are, uh, I would say, two or three tools that you can install on your website or your podcast feed to help you get demographics faster. Chartable is one of them. You have a prefix at the beginning of your podcast feed. They walk you through how to do it. Most podcast hosts will have a uh, hosting uh, audio hosts will have a place for you to put a prefix. Chartable gets all of this data, demographics uh, for location, age, gender, education, household income. Um, so having that information as soon as possible is good. Google Analytics, of course, is the other one. And Facebook Analytics is, is the third. 
um, I used a combo of, I don't think Chartable existed or was not big um, when I first started. Uh, so I used a combo of, of Google and Facebook because Facebook had the better specific demographic info. Google has that now, but getting that information as soon as possible. And again, if you're early on and you're not getting a lot of downloads, then create like an ideal customer avatar, right? Uh, we talk about, all right, well, my listener's name, uh, you know, I have a, a podcast for, um, you know, working dads, right? So uh, working dads who stay at home half the week, right? I'm describing myself right now. So uh, my dad's name is uh, Austin and he is in his mid thirties uh, and he likes, you know, he has a beard and he likes taking care of his beard and he's got uh, three kids and two of them in school and one is newborn and he's trying to figure out how to balance uh, his life with his business. Uh, so how can he continue to make money while also being a stay at home dad for half the week? Then you've painted a picture for your sponsor, right? And maybe Harry's would want to sponsor that. Like that's perfect for Harry's or Dr. Squatch or, um, you know, uh, 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 Mack Weldon, right? These are all brands that target men um, who like grooming and stay at home, right? Um, Mack Weldon sweatpants are amazing. Hashtag not a sponsor. So, uh, you know, you paint that picture and then you can tell that to your sponsors. This is my target audience. This is who my content is targeting your ads would be perfect. And I can talk about, Hey, are you staying at home? But like, you want to have a good beard still like check out like Harry's or whatever. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I really like that you insist on making your customer avatar human. Yes. Making it very human because it's not just a little, a list of data and like income and location and all. It's like make it a real person, what their challenges are, what their objectives are. And then for the brand or sponsor is going to be easier to understand who your audience is and how they can provide or connect with that audience. Yeah, you can picture that person and then you can talk to that person, right? This is now as a programmer, like this has been around in marketing for a long time. I am I got my start as a my professional start as a programmer. We are very matter of fact, right? So it's just like get this thing, use this website cuz it's better. But that's not marketing, right? Um so you need to market. And so, you know, I think I heard about it first from Amy Porterfield. She talks about the ideal customer avatar. And so give them a name, give them a backstory, and then you know who you're talking to when you write your marketing copy, when you create your podcast episodes, when you talk to sponsors. Yeah, yeah. You should even add a photo. That's yeah, what I mean. yeah. We add a photo as well. Nice. Hello there. Sorry for the interruption, but I'm sure you'll appreciate this. We are always creating new tools and resources to help you improve your craft as a podcaster. A manual for your podcast guests to sound and look better? We've got it. A content calendar template to organize your show? We've got that too. A guide to buy the best recording equipment without breaking the bank? Yes, we've got that as well. We even have a course on how to record podcasts. Get your hands on these resources today at TalkingSilkworm.com slash resources. We're constantly updating this page with new tools and resources just for you. Remember, TalkingSilkworm.com slash resources. All right, that's it for this special message. Now let's get back to the episode. Okay, uh, Joe. 
download numbers. How many downloads should I have before considering or so I can consider getting a sponsor? And it's important to note here that the downloads are measured in the first 30 days after the podcast episode has been released. So that is the period that counts. After that, not so important, but usually when it comes to getting sponsors or that kind of thing, first 30 days after downloads, sorry, after release. What do you think should be an ideal number for me to go find someone to sponsor my show? The number of downloads that I had before I got my first sponsor was zero. I had my first sponsor before I launched. Is this going to work for everybody? No. But if you do the things that I talked about, right, where you go to your network and people who trust you, because this is the thing, right? Nobody wants to sponsor a podcast that is going to be gone in less than two months. And most podcasts don't make it to eight episodes. So you go to people who trust that you'll deliver and people who have seen your work. And if the price is, again, that stupid low, like 25 or 50 bucks per episode, I firmly believe that you can get a sponsor with little to no downloads. Now, if you don't have that strong network, you know, it could be a hundred, it could be a thousand. It really depends on your, uh, your audience, uh, the, the, the potential size of your audience, right? If I'm talking to uh, all business owners in the United States, that's millions of people. So I'm going to want like hundreds of thousands of downloads probably. But if I'm talking to uh, like uh, people who run food trucks, well, that's a decidedly lower number and my download numbers are going to reflect that. So um I honestly believe if you have 50, 50 downloads per episode, you can get a sponsor if you're talking to the right people. The thing that if you don't have a lot of downloads, but you want to try to get a sponsor, uh, the thing that you should do is calculate your what's called your overall reach, right? So um, let's assume you're not starting from scratch. Like you just, again, you just showed up today and you're like, I should have a podcast. I have zero following anywhere. Um, you're going to have to take time and build your following. But I, uh, when I first started, I didn't have the download numbers I have today. You know, I think in the first nine months, I had the total number of downloads that I get monthly now. So, uh, but I, again, I still had sponsors. So what I did was I said, not only will you get a mid-roll, actually it was just pre-roll back then because I didn't want to like break up the interview. So I said, you'll get an ad in the beginning of the show within the first five minutes. You'll get a link on the homepage for the time you sponsor, and you'll get a link on the show notes page and listed in all of the apps uh, forever, as long as that episode exists. You'll also get a shout out in my newsletter, which has 1,200 subscribers. You'll get three shout outs on Twitter. Uh, and I think at the time I had 3,000 followers. Now I have over 5,000 followers. So you'll get shout outs on Twitter. You'll get shout outs on Facebook. You'll get a shout out in my Instagram story. I don't know if Instagram stories existed back then, but the, the point is wherever you are, you want to calculate your overall reach and that adds value to the sponsorship, right? Now, when, when a mid-roll sponsor for me books more than 10 episodes, I do a dedicated video to them on my YouTube page. 
which is my YouTube page is about is, uh, over 1900 subscribers now. So it's small and in, in, uh, relative to the big YouTubers that you know. But, you know, it's it's grown considerably in the last year. And it's a forever video on the YouTube platform that's now demoing their product, right? So um, wherever you can add value in the beginning, that will help with your overall reach. Yes, yes. And I like that you mentioned also the niche. This is very important because a lot of people think yes of huge numbers, but sometimes huge numbers mean nothing. Uh, from a personal interview, she told me the example of an influencer that had millions of followers on their social media accounts. They got a sponsor because they were trying to sell a product and they got to sell like six units out of millions of followers. So sometimes having a huge number of followers or downloads or listeners is not what matters, is the quality. And when it comes to niche, like you're not going to have millions of downloads if you are specializing on a very, very particular topic or area or industry. However, those few people who do listen to you, they are going to be ultra interested and they're going to be like so focused and they're, they're very likely to buy from, from you. Uh, even though you don't have as many, like your conversion rates can be way higher with a smaller niche, way higher. Yeah. And if the lifetime value uh, is is higher, the lifetime value of the customer is higher for your sponsor, then, you know, they don't need as many conversions, right? Uh, so... Uh, for example, um, hosting companies, again, to go back to them, because I understand their business pretty well. Well, I understand portions of their business pretty well. Uh, the average person stays with a hosting company for a minimum of three years. So if somebody buys hosting at 20 bucks a month or 240 bucks a year times three, that is a number that I probably should have had ready. That's 12 times six, right? 12, 24, 36, 48, uh, 60, 72, that's 720 bucks. So if a, if a hosting company sponsors my podcast for less than 720 bucks and gets one customer, they've made a return on their investment. If an app sells for $199 lifetime in the app store and they've paid $300, well, now they've got to sell over 600 apps. That's not going to happen on my podcast. So it's about lifetime value of the customer and alignment with goals uh, versus your target audience and your messaging. Mm -hmm. Great, great, great. Now that you mentioned alignment, there is, there is an ethical side of advertising on a show. And some people like it. Some people don't like it uh, because they might it, it might seem like their content is a little bit biased to favor the sponsor or to favor a particular perspective or point of view. Uh, I have a client, for example, they produce content around health and medicine and they decided to not have any sponsors on their show because that might interfere with their message. Some people might be considering, they might be like debating themselves about that. Should I include ads? Should I not do it? Like they are in these yes and no. What would you say around that, Joe? I think that's a really great thing to consider. Uh, at the beginning, when I first started my podcast, I wasn't going to have sponsors because the main focus was going to be on me selling my services. So the ideas would, would be, I interview a product owner on how they built a product, and then I would also uh, sell a course on how to use that product. But then, 
uh, I realized that was like a terrible idea because how many courses am I going to make? Um, but also, uh, I had sponsors from the very beginning. So I decided not to sell my own services for a long time. I feel differently about that now. Always sell your services on your podcast. Like that's a core way to make money from an audience that trusts you. But in the case of your client, I think that's a good call, right? Because, um, you know, if you're talking about health and wellness, or if if um, if I'm talking about uh, like the the again the best ways to make money podcasting, or, or I talk about good ways to promote your podcast, and uh, headliner decides they want to sponsor my podcast, how do how does my audience know? I'm not just saying that audiograms are a good way to promote your podcast because headliner handed me a bunch of money. So you know, I think that. What you can do as a host is think about the goals and how you're going to make money early on. If you're going to make money selling your services, then uh, I'm not saying never have a sponsor, but focus your energy on building your email list and getting those people warmed up to promote your product to them. And if you are going to have sponsors, make it super clear anytime, not just during the read, but anytime you mention them, right? So uh, if I have a hosting company XYZ, and they've sponsored in the past. They're no longer a sponsor, but now I'm talking about setting up a membership site. And I say, I'm using this plugin and I'm using hosting company XYZ for transparency's sake. Hosting company XYZ sponsored my show in the past, but that did not influence my decision to go with them. They offered the best features for my membership site. So being as transparent as possible. If Again, if the audience trusts you, they will believe you. If you haven't earned their trust, then it doesn't really matter what you say, right? They're just going to think that you're only pushing the sponsors or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In some areas, it's easier to manage, but in others, it's it's very tricky when it comes to getting a sponsor because people might think they are the host is like trying to push something or an ideology or a point of view or something. So yeah, I definitely understand. And some sponsors want that, right? So I had a sponsor reach out. They were a pretty big name. And they wanted to sponsor my show exclusively. Uh, and, and so I uh, always offer an exclusive package that's like the, the sponsor spot times the maximum number of sponsors you're willing to have. So for me, it's three. Uh, my mid-roll sponsor is uh, around three or 400. It's between three and 400 bucks, depending on the number of episodes. Let's just say 400, right? So uh, to sponsor my show, it would be uh, 1,200 bucks to sponsor exclusively at the mid-roll. But they said that they didn't want an explicit sponsor spot. They wanted me to just talk about the product in the middle of the conversation. And I said, I will not do that. My sponsor spots are extremely clear. Music kicks in. The first thing I say is this episode is sponsored by. I say in the beginning of the episode, today's episode is sponsored by. Uh, So... Uh, I mean, federal regulations in the United States require you to do that, if I'm not mistaken. But even if it weren't, if I'm getting paid to say or do something, then I am going to tell my audience that because my trust is more important than the thousand bucks that this sponsor is going to give me one time. Your ethics are key here. All right. Okay, I, I, do, I have two final questions, Joe. First one, what is the most common mistake you see people make when they are trying to monetize their podcast show? 
The most common mistake, great question, it's that they think that sponsorship is the only way. Yeah. I would argue that sponsorship is not neither the only nor the easiest way. Yeah. Um, the no, easiest, nor, nor the most profitable sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Nor the most profitable sometimes. That's exactly right. Um, let's say that you don't, ha maybe you're in full, gainfully employed somewhere. And you're just starting a podcast for fun, but you want to make money on the side. You don't have a service to sell. You don't have a product to sell. Uh, here's what you do. Affiliate links are the, the easy, the lowest, I will say the lowest barrier for entry. I'm not going to say you're going to get rich off of it, especially in the beginning. But if you want to move the chains at all, making money podcasting, affiliate programs are, uh, have the lowest barrier of entry. Here's what you do. You don't just sign up for every affiliate program and just litter them throughout your show and your show notes. Don't do that. Uh, because again, you'll erode that trust. But what I will do is uh, I have an affiliate disclaimer in the show notes, right? So if I link to a book on Amazon, that's an affiliate link. But if I talk about a service, for example, I had somebody from ConvertKit on the show. We talked about their new free tier. I said, uh, Here's my affiliate link and whatever, blah, blah, slash, blah, blah. I won't, again, I won't say it on your show. Um, blah, blah, slash Joe. Go there. It's my affiliate link, but it's going to be free for you to sign up. You'll get this many days free and it's not going to affect the cost of your plan at all. So I would say if you have a relevant service that you're talking about on the show, say the affiliate link, make it clear that it's an affiliate link. And have a show notes page where, again, you have links. So if you mention a couple of services, all of these services will be available on the show notes page over at mypodcast.com slash episode number, right? Um, then people can go there and check it out. The show notes generally, if you do it right, will also show up in the podcast app. So make it clear that you're using affiliate links, but, uh, and don't do it for everything. Um, Don't just sign up for, don't just recommend products because you're in their affiliate program. That's again, that's how you erode trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my final question is, what will be two, one or two key tips for a person who has a small size or medium size audience in their podcast shows and they want to start monetizing? What will be like, okay, you should do this definitely. Yeah. Uh, the first one is, uh, again, if you're going to seek sponsorship, especially Uh, go to those friends, fools, and family and, and see if there's anybody who's willing to invest in you. Uh, the second and I think more important thing is have a single clear call to action in your show that is to get people on your mailing list. So here's, I would say at first thing, but starting next year, I'm going to like tease the episode first. So uh, let's just say I spoke to, uh, who's your favorite public figure right now? Hopefully I know them. Uh, let's say, okay, not very politically correct right now in this, in North America, Jordan Peterson. All right, Jordan Peterson, right? He's the, the Wolf of Wall Street guy, right? No, no, he speaks about like a lot of <laughs> not politically correct stuff. Uh, gotcha. Mostly, yeah, like uh, masculinity, for example. That is a, a okay. big topic for him. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm not, absolutely not thinking. Jordan Belfort is who I was thinking of. Okay, uh, yeah, so yeah, Jordan Peterson. Uh, 
Hey everybody, Joe Casboni here. Welcome to How I Built It. Today my guest is Jordan Peterson. We're going to be talking about some uh, taboo topics that a lot of people aren't going aren't covering a lot in 2021. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Jordan Peterson is going to talk about XYZ. Uh, before we get into that though, I do need to ask you to sign up for my mailing list. You can go over here. You will get these episode recaps in your inbox every week with the top takeaways. You'll also get tool recommendations and things like that. It's totally free. Sign up at myemaillist.com. Okay, now let's get on with the episode. Something like that, right in the beginning, you hook your audience with the topic and then you uh, have the ask. It's really clear. It's a speakable URL that they can remember and they can go sign up for your mailing list. That is an effective way to build your mailing list. And then you have a group of people who are buying into what you're saying. So whether it's sponsorships, you can promote your sponsor to your mailing list. Memberships, if you want to roll out a membership to uh, the people who have opted in, you can let them know that for five bucks a month, they can get bonus content or affiliate links. Or if you're selling a specific product, you can roll it out to them too. Those are the people who are really buying into what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, Joe, I think that's a wrap. Uh, I wish we had more time, but I'm sure going through all your smash strategy will take a longer time. I think we did cover sponsorship. We spoke about uh, affiliate and selling. Uh, there is also the membership and the helping areas we didn't cover today, but I'm sure people want to know more about it. They will, they will want to learn more about your smash strategy for monetizing a podcast show. Where can they find more information about that and where can they find you? All right. So what I will do is I'll put together a uh, special landing page for listeners of this show. It'll be over at casabona.org slash silk. Does that make the most sense? It does. Uh, casabona.org slash silk. There will be an opt-in to get the layout of my Smash framework. There will be a discount to my creator membership where you can learn how to monetize your podcast and things like that, as well as some other resources. Again, that's casabona.org slash silk. So for those listening, all the links are going to be there on the show notes. So you go check Joe's uh, framework. Uh, I'm, I'm going to check it. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to be the first user of that link, Joe. All right. And yeah, looking forward to see what more we can discover around monetizing your podcast show. That's been all for today. Thank you very much, Joe, for all the value and information you have shared with us. Thanks for tuning in to the Talking Silkworm podcast. We hope today's episode is valuable to your journey towards building your audience by using the power of your voice. Remember to follow us on social media for more insights, updates, and behind-the-scenes content. Find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us at info at talkingsilkworm.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember to subscribe to our show to get the latest episodes and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you in the next episode.